Bekutte sich is chelik tesvav noyach hey lilinish mister Yosef Benjamin ben Reb Menashe Kaltman again a Rashi sicha which will emphasize to us the precision of every single word of Rashi which word Rashi chooses and if there seems to be an extra word it is never extra it teaches us something sometimes even on the level of Yenoshel Teira the deeper secrets of the Torah. Beim Sof von der Sedre stellt sich Rasha auf den Wort Bechorim. The end of Parshas uh, Noach says, Vayomos Terach Bechorim, Terach passed away, Terach died in Choron. Terach is the father of Avram Avinu. Rashi quotes the word Bechorim, und is mefarish hanun hafucha. The nun is upside down. This is referring to, although it doesn't exist in our Sifri Torah that we have today, but clearly Rashi is referring to something that was uh, a present in his time, that the nun, the langer nun, the final nun of Bukharon is in the Torah, is written upside down. to teach you, Ad Avram, Charoin, Af, until Avram, there was the wrath of Hashem in this world, and then from Avram, it stopped. The Pashtubshat from them is the simple meaning of this is not as the nun hafucha meant ad avram charein av shalmakim. It doesn't mean that the upside down nun itself is telling us that there was wrath of Hashem in the world. Because what's the connection between the wrath of Hashem and an upside down letter nun? Nor, rather, as the nun hafucha comes to meramazain, the nun the upside down nun is a symbol. As uiser dem pashitun taitz von bechoron in der stadt choron, that in addition to the simple, basic understanding of the word bechoron, that is referring to the city of choron, that that terach died in choron, hader vart noch an inyan optaitz di badaitung von charoin af, di badaitung von charoin af, that the word bechoron has another meaning, and that is the meaning of anger. So, number one, telling us the city, the place where it happened. Number two, it is telling us that there was the wrath of Hashem. The Pasuk says, Terach died in Haran. How does that connect in any way to the wrath of Hashem? Is Rashi Mefarish, as Biz Avraman is given Haran Av Shalmakim. So, she explains, because it's at this point approximately, that the wrath of Hashem ends. Till Avram there was wrath of Hashem, and this is about now. So Hayom is Terach Becharim, when Terach died, and Terach's era ends, so to speak, and Avram's era begins, this is where the wrath of Hashem ends. So that's the basic meaning of the Pasuk, of the Rashi. Rashi sees an upside down nun, he says the, the nun is symbolizing to us that in addition to the fact that Tarach died in Haran, there was the anger of Hashem that ended around this time. As Zabar Nitvashtandek, however, this is not fully understood. Rashi's taich von Vord Bukharon, Charein Af, Muzdach Masim Zantum Teichen von Dem Pasik. Rashi's translation has to be consistent with the theme of this Pasik. And this Pasuk is not discussing Avram, nor in Terach. This Pasuk is about Terach. Terach died in Charon. 
So why does Rashi speak about Avram to say that until the time of Avram there was the wrath of Hashem? If Rashi is quoting this pasuk and translating this pasuk, which talks about Choron or Terach, then Rashi should have explained the wrath of Hashem as it connects to Terach, not to Avram, who's not even mentioned in this pasuk. Is there beard in them? So, the Rebbe explains a very simple explanation. Since the Pasuk says that Terach died in Haran, if the meaning, if we would learn that the anger, the wrath of Hashem was associated with Terach specifically, then we would understand, since it's being mentioned in this Pasuk, and the anger was on Terach, then the, ter- then the anger, the wrath of Hashem, would carry through until Terach's death. But we can't learn like that. According to Rashi's approach, Terach did tshuva a significant amount of time before his death. This is referenced, this is seen in the in the in in the Brisbane of Sodom, Hashem says to Avram, you will return to your parents, to your father in peace. Rashi says, if his father was an idolater, why what kind of good news is it that he's going to be returned to him? And Rashi says, This teaches us that Terach did Shuva. Already in the time of the Brisbane Absarim, Terach did Shuva, which is a long time before Terach dies. So therefore, if Hashem was angry at Terach, that anger ended a long time ago. So it can't be that the wrath of Hashem continues till till Terach's death. If Terach did Shuvah, Terach repented, Terach rectified and improved his ways way before this part of the story. Therefore Rashi must come Conclude, as the Charoin Av Shalok was in Rumis and Dampasak, that the wrath referred to in this verse is Nitin Shaiches mit Terachin, is not directly connected with Terach, that Hashem was wrathful because of Terach per se. It's referring to the wrath of Hashem that was on the world. As a matter of fact, if you look back at the Rashi here in the Sikhet, it's, it's printed in parentheses the word Ba'ilam, because there are different Nuschois, whether Rashi has the word Ba'ilam or not. Certainly, if he does use the word Ba'ilam, it fits in very well. That the anger of Hashem, the wrath of Hashem, was on the world, not on Terach. So therefore, this explains uh, why Rashi is, is not referring to Terach over here, because the anger wasn't about Terach. Terach did Shuvah a long time ago. The is Shaila. However, this still leaves us a question. Then why are we discussing it here? If the anger that we're talking about is on the world, why is it being referenced here in a Pasik about the death of Terach? The, the, the wrath is not connected to Terach. Especially since he did Shuvah before he passed away. 
So this is why Rashi says, Ad Avram. You're right. The fact that it's being discussed over here is not because the Pasuk talks about Terach. It's actually connected with Avram. Which is the Pasuk immediately following this upside down Nun. When Hashem tells Avram to go forth to the land of Canaan. Das heißt, mit der Nun Hafucha in dem Wort Bechoron is the Teirem Eramis. This means to tell us that with the upside down Nun in the word Bechoron, the Teirem is signaling to us as mit Avramin is as bis Avramin is given Charein Avshalakim that till Avram there was the wrath of Hashem on the world. Um mit Ankumen von Avram with the arrival of Avram onto the scene was Hischi Lahayr who began to illuminate the world he illuminated the world with his divine light as the Pasuk says about Avram that he proclaimed to the world the name of God the God of the universe so as, the, as Avram began to disseminate the knowledge of God and the teachings of God to this world this seized, this ended the, the wrath of Hashem on the world. So, Terach died in Choron. And after that, Hashem says to Avram, go to, go to, not, and then the Torah tells us about Avram's journey to Eretz Yisrael. That is going to end the anger of Hashem. And therefore, the Pasuk says, until this point, there was the wrath of Hashem, Ad Avram till Avram. So this is how we can understand Rashi. Rashi is talking about the fact that there was anger until this point. The reason that he mentions Avram and not Terach is because the anger was not associated with Terach per se. The anger, the wrath was on the world. And it ended not with Terach's death, because Terach had done Shuvah a long time ago, it ended with Avram, and therefore Rashi says Ad Avram, referring to the, the, the point in time when the wrath ended, it was with Avram's arrival on the scene. is going to ask, it still doesn't fit so well, the fact that this Pasuk has an upside down Nun, and it's teaching us something about the next Pasuk. Especially since it's actually a different parasha. But even if we didn't look at that, if we wanted to talk about Avram going to Eretz Yisrael and ending the wrath of Hashem, then the, then the Pasuk should have found a way to symbolize this in that Pasuk, not in the Pasuk which is a previous Pasuk. This is what the Rebbe is going to address in Siv Gimel. It's true <clears throat> that immediately after the word Bukharam, comes the Pasuk that Hashem spoke to Avram, as it's our far schwer to learn it, but it's still difficult to learn as the Nun Hafucha from Bukharon, that the opposite down Nun of Bukharon, so the Chbatsi and Tzavayta Dekin Pasuk should be connected to a later Pasuk. Is there beer in them? So here the Rebbe learns very something very beautiful. He's going to talk not about necessarily the, the, the meaning of the word Bukharon, as much as the shape of the letter Langer Nun. We call it a Yiddish Langer Nun. In Hebrew, they call it Nun Sofit. And the fact that it is a straight line going down, going down the middle represents the end, the conclusion of something and the beginning of something new. Is there beer in them? Here's the explanation. 
A nun pshuta, a, a langer nun, is an ois soifis, is, is a letter that is placed at the end of a word. Was unterstreicht a sof un ende von wort. It underscores the end and the conclusion of this word and therefore of something. Un in the oisius soifis gufa, and in amongst the final letters, langer chof, schlossmem, langer nun, langer tzadik, and langer fei. Hot as the uizen von a kav oroch, the langer nun specifically has the image of one long line. Was tilt van ander that separates two sides. A line, there's till this point and from this point. Un in an eifen von hefse gomor, and in a matter of a total interruption. Vorum in a nun psuta, is nach nitokin iberhak. A langernun doesn't have any breaks within the within the line. This is the muscle doing a kuf. For example, in a kuf, there's the top half of the kuf, which is in the shape of a reish. There's the bottom half of the kuf, which is the long, the, the, the leg. But then between those two, there's a space. So say, 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 for example, you're trying to close off an area and you did so with a letter kuf. The person can smuggle between the reish and the line of the kuf. However, in a langernun, there is no opening through which one can cross from one side of the nun to the other side of the nun. In Ha'ara 12, the Rebbe points out that even though the other uh, uh, final letters, Langer Chaf, Langer Tzadik, and Langer Fei, also have the same concept, there's no going through, but they have more to their shape. Each of those three have more to the shape, which represent that there's more to them than just the line of interruption. The Langernun is only a line, which represents the concept of ending something, of interrupting something, and then something new beginning after that. And since... The Torah chose specifically to change the nun, to make it upside down, to represent the wrath of Hashem. Unachmer, additionally, nor the nun. It's only the nun. Seemingly, if you want to tell us that the word Bechoron has another meaning, that it means the wrath of Hashem, then, they sh- th- then there should have been a change in the entire word Choron. Was is der word charoin, which charon is representing the word charoin, especially since in other places we find charoin to be written without a vav. So the word charon here is representing the word charoin, then the entire word technically should have been done differently to remind us, to signal to us that there is a, a, another meaning to the word. And yet, it is only it is the Langernun and only the Langernun that was changed to, to signal to us that we're referring to the wrath of Hashem. Is a raya. So therefore this teaches us as gleichzeitig vert derin merumes as der charoin af vert nifsik bam der parsha. It is telling us at the same time that it's telling us that there was the wrath of Hashem. It's telling us that the wrath ended at the end of this parsha. And therefore Rashi learns until Avram there was the wrath of Hashem. Biz Avram is given Charein Av when it is done Nifsegivaren, but here is where it stops. Here is the line in the sand where the wrath comes to an end.
So to answer our question, why does he bring up Avram? It's not just talking about the next Pasuk to say that it started without, with that, that a new era started with Avram. It's saying that with the ending of this Parsha, with the conclusion of this Parsha, the wrath of Hashem is ending. The, the Langernun is representing an end. It, it, so, so as this Parsha ends, this is the end of the wrath of Hashem. And that's what Hashem means, Ad Avram. He's not referring to the fact that with Avram began a new era. He's saying until Avram was the end of the previous era, the era of the wrath. In Sifdala, the Rebbe is going to ask, still, why not say the wrath was till now? Why say the wrath ended with Avram? He didn't even tell us that there was a wrath. It seems like first you got to tell us that there was anger to tell us that it ended. And that's what he's going to discuss in Siv Dalid, why there's still a reference to Avram. Why not just say, Ad Khan Charein Av Shalmakim, or something like that. But until here, just to understand what we're, what we're saying, until here we explained that the Rashi is telling us that there was an, a, a wrath of Hashem. It wasn't directed specifically to Terach. It was to the world. It ended with Avram, when Avram arrived on the scene and began to teach about Hashem, this this uh, uh, um, ended, this dissipated the, the wrath of Hashem. And Rashi is telling us in this Rashi that the fact that the terrorist telling this to us by making an upside down nun to tell us that just like a nun represents a, a line, a, an interruption, a conclusion of something, it's telling us that at this point was the end of the wrath of Hashem on the world. And the way the Torah tells it to us, the way Rashi tells it to us is that it went till Avram, which is really telling us that not so much that it ended with that something new started with Avram, it's telling us that until Avram, it, there was wrath. And we're going to in Sifdal discuss why we're, why we're bringing up Avram. Why not talk about Terach or talk about things that happened until Avram. Sifdalit. We could still ask the question. And the way the Rebbe is going to present this question is... The Rebbe is going to use the words positive and negative. Positive and negative does not here mean good and bad. It means in the positive, something was taking place. The negative, something was not taking place. And the Rebbe is going to say, why say it in the negative that the anger stopped? Why not say it in the positive that there was anger taking place until a certain point? Even though the nun, as we just explained, represents a demarcation line. Between two sides, till this point, there was anger. From this point, the anger did not exist anymore. And in our case, the line that is marking the end of Parshas Neach, the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha. But there are two different ways, there's two, two, two expressions that would make the same point. Aleph, as the Charein Af is given Bizensimat Kufa from Parshas Neach, to say that there was anger until the end of Parshas Neach. There it's Sad Chiyuvi, in a sense, this is the positive, what did take place. As the Charein Af had Gedoyert Bizdemult, that the anger endured until this point. Base, there's another way of saying it. As the Charein Af is given Bizent Kufa from Parshas Nechlacha, that it ended with Lechlacha. There Sad Ashlili, this is the negative. As This is when it stopped. So you could either say there was anger until this point, till the end of Noyach, Parshas Noyach, or you could say Parshas Lech Lecha was the end of the anger. Now the Rebbe doesn't even say this in the Sicha, but generally speaking, if you want to say that it ended, you have to say that it started. So 
it would have made more sense, and this is what the Rebbe is going to ask, why doesn't it tell us that there was anger until this point, instead of telling us when the anger stopped? Since Rashi is saying this on the word Bukharam, not just telling us a statement there was anger, saying the word Bukharam and the opposite of Nun is teaching us that there was anger. Since Rashi is, is, is explaining this on the word Bukharam, which is still in Parashas Noyach, part of the era that ends with the end of Parashas Noyach, Rashi should have said it in the first form of expression in the previous paragraph, that the wrath was there until the end of Parashas Noyach. For what did Rashi add Avram, would the Adgosh is of an uifer, bitl from Charenaf? Why does Rashi bring up Avram, which then emphasizing the end of the anger, instead of emphasizing the existence of the anger? In Emerson, Abed is as kinkashinish, but in truth, this is not really a question. In other words, we're, 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 we're slowly walking through the Rashi. And as the Rebbe brings up a question, the Rebbe refutes the question, so that way we should understand that every part of Rashi is actually precise in what it's trying to tell us. In Emerson, Abed is as kinkashinish. It's not a question. And the Rebbe is going to tell us something very important. And that is that, in truth, chronologically, these two psukim are not in the right order. Terach passed away way after Avram entered into Eretz Yisrael, into Eretz Canaan. Avram entered into Eretz Canaan. Terach was 145 years old because Terach was 75 when Avram was when, when uh, 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 Avram was 75 years old when he entered into Eretz Canaan. Terach was 70 when Avram was born. So 70 plus 75 is 145. Terach was 145 when Avram entered into Eretz Canaan. Terach dies at the age of 205 or 210. So this is almost 70 years or 65 years before before Terach dies, Avram goes to Eretz Yisrael. So Vayamas Terach Becharon, in actuality, happened after Vayemar Hashem Avram Lach Lecha. So therefore, the, 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 figuring out when this time period ends, if you're going to look at it from the Charon, from the Terach perspective, is very, is very unclear. And therefore, the best way for Rashi to express it to us is by mentioning Avram, which is when the new period begins, the new era begins. The era of Parshas Noyach ends with the death of Terach and Choron. And the previous Dibur, Rashi explains that the death of Choron is given in Eretz Canaan. It was 65 years after Avram entered into the land of Canaan, or use the Rebbe's words, more than 60 years after Avram arrived in Eretz Canaan. Rashi can't say that the wrath of Hashem continued until Charon passed away, Charon died. Because when Avram arrived into the world, when Avram is gekommen und dem Eulam beleuchten and illuminated the world, wenigstens 60 years for me, a minimum of 60 years. It could be Avram started before he went to Eretz Canaan, which is more than 60 years. But at minimum, 60 years from Avram's arrival to Eretz Canaan, already the, the wrath of Hashem stopped. 
So, so, so Avram, so the Torah cannot, or Rashi cannot define it by the death of Terach because the wrath start, start, stopped way before Terach passed away. Therefore, Rashi emphasizes and specifies until Avram there was wrath. Therefore, Rashi emphasizes that the, the, the demarcation line of the Nun, the end of the wrath, even though it is alluded to in the end of Parshas Neach, is that Aber so even though it's alluded to in the end of Parshas Noyach, nevertheless, Rashi is telling us it doesn't connect to, de- to, Har- to Terach's death. But the wrath, the end of the wrath, is connected to the end of the era that is prior to Avram. In the Asaradeh, the Anu Tkufa and Avram. There were ten generations from from Noach till Avram, and at the end of those ten generations, that is where the wrath of Hashem ends, and with Avram begins the new era, the era where there is no anger of Hashem. So, therefore, the only way for Rashi to really define when this happens is by mentioning Avram. The fact that it's in a previous pasuk is because it's telling us that that's when it ended. It ended with the end of Parshas Noach. But in order for Rashi to, to specify when exactly does that uh, uh, transition happen, it happens with Avram, not with the death of Terach, which happens later on, but with the, with, with the arrival of Avram and Avram beginning to spread the light of Hashem into the world, this is where the, the anger ends. So what we have until here is that there's an Apsidan Nun. The Apsidan Nun teaches us that until this point, there was the wrath of Hashem. Where exactly does the wrath end? It ends with the arrival of Avram. The reason why it's in the previous Parsha is because that's when the anger was. But in order for Rashi to tell us how it ends or when it ends, Rashi, the only uh, a point in history that defines exactly when it ends is the next Pasuk, the arrival of Avram in Eretz Canaan and the beginning of the dissemination of the light of Hashem into the world. Before we get to the Yena Shaltaira, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful journey in and of itself, we have one final question that the Rebbe asks, and that is, why is it necessary to tell us that Ibishter was wrathful? If we look at their conduct and we see that they were worshipping idols and they were not good people, we'll know that Hashem was displeased. Why is it so necessary for the Torah to inform us that there was the wrath of Hashem? As far as the however, explanation is still required. So first after Torah, B'chlal Shtelna, Nuna Fucho, and Nitzil, and Zmeshak, Tehsara, Deiris, Vez Avraman, is Gvenner, the Ebishon, Zcharein, Avbelon, why does the Torah have to give us an upside down nun and inform us that there was the wrath of Hashem in the world? It seemingly should be self-understood. Since they sinned so much, they served the Vedazara. Rashi, the Rebbe in Ha'ara 15 refers to two, to two Rashis. One in the end of Bereshis, where it says, Az huchal. Then it began. So Rashi says, Huchal is from the word Chulin, mundane. They began to take the world, to take mundane items and worship them and refer to them as uh, divine entities. Or in Parshas Noyach, it speaks about 
um, Nimrod. Rashi says, Yodea Esri Boino Yomachav in Limrod Boy. He knows his master, he knows his creator, and deliberately rebels in him. This is the, another example where we see that the generations prior to Avram were engaged in idolatry and in, and in, and, and in, and in sinfulness. So obviously, it's verstandig as the Rebbe says, given it's a fridden from Zerah and Aga, clearly Hashem was not pleased with their conduct. So the Rebbe would be wrathful. The Rebbe would be angry at this kind of conduct. Why is it so important for the Pasuk, for, for, for the Torah, to let us know that the Rebbe was wrathful? Is there beer in them? And the Rebbe explains this as well. Shasman learned in their parsha they can dimension for Yenadurus. When you learn in the parsha, parsha Snoyach, which speaks about the lifespan, of that, that of people in those generations, and we see that they had very long lives, way beyond the classic 120 years, which the pasuk tells us in other places that that is the lifespan of a human being. So a person is going to right away, right away ask the question: How is it possible that there are people that are so wicked should have these long? Extended lifespans. And therefore, this might lead a person to think, as Trotzdem was saying, despite the fact that they sinned, is Ober, Mitzat Ezet Tamshahu, but there might be some sort of exterior reason. Ludugma, for example, Am Echad Vesafa Achas, the Kulam, the fact that they were united and they all spoke the same language. Or Shalom, there was peace amongst them. Or Kibut Avirashi Zogda. Or the fact that they they respected their elders in the in the previous Rashi. Rashi says that why does the Pasuk tell us about Terach's death before telling us that Avram left to Canaan if the Avram's going to Canaan happened first? So Rashi says, so it shouldn't become obvious that Avram did not fulfill the mitzvah of Kibudav and left his father alone. So we see from this, from the fact that the Torah is concerned about people saying, how could Avram leave his elderly father? This shows that they, they were living in a time that respecting the elders was something that was done, not just by Avram, but by the other people. So it could be that there were other things that they did that brought upon them their Eibishter given felon episode The Eibishter was pleased with something in their conduct. And he was happy with them. And therefore, they lived long lives. In other words, it's possible. A person is going to look at the parsha and say, wow, these people lived hundreds of years. Despite the fact that the Torah tells us that their conduct was not up to par. So a person might say, okay, maybe they, they, in certain areas, they did not conduct themselves properly. But nevertheless, there were other areas in which they did uh, good things. And because of that, Hashem was pleased with them and gave them long life. Therefore, the Torah addresses this by placing an upside down nun to tell us as the Eibushter is given not only tell us that not only was the Eibushter displeased, nor but more than that, the Eibushter was angry. So in that case, you're going to ask, how did they earn such a long life? He says, The answer to that is, that was the will of Hashem. And we don't know the reason for it. And the Rebbe points out in the RAA team that the why, why the Shaim are successful, Rashi is not obligated to tell us. The, the, the facts, 
that Hashem was angry that Asher is a telus. That's important. But the wise of the world, why does why do we find that, that that there are wicked people that are successful in life and live long prosperous lives? That is not Rashi's obligation to teach us, and therefore Rashi doesn't have to address that question. But what Rashi does has to address is the fact that a person might have the mistaken understanding that the, that these people Hashem was pleased with their lifestyles and and the pasuk. Hints it to us, and Rashi clarifies it to us that the Abishter was wrathful at their conduct, uh, not pleased with them. Or you could say a very practical explanation why they had long lives. It's very logically understood as Adam who was the perfect specimen, the the handiwork of Hashem, their should be the one with the longest life. The nitrachet is adas, if not for the sin of the eating from the tree of knowledge. And then as the generations gradually proceed, they, the lifespan will become shorter and shorter until it gets to the lifespan of our times, which is much less than the, the, the lifespan of, of, of Adam Arishin. So in other words, the Rebbe is saying it's not connected to their conduct, it's more a natural, gradual change, starting with Avram, who had one of the most longest lifespans, and then it gets shorter and shorter as the generations proceed. So, so therefore, it's not a, a, a connected to their, their virtues, it's connected more to the nature of things. So that's more a, a more practical approach to it. But at the same time, Rashi doesn't address that either. Rashi doesn't tell us anything about that. Rashi just tells us that there was wrath, so we shouldn't be mistaken by their long lives to understand that there was, that there, and think that the Abishter was not upset. So Adkan, up until this point, is the, is, is the Rebbe's explanation of the Rashi, which at this point is very, very clear to us. Rashi's telling us that, Rashi's telling us that with the upside Anun, the Torah is telling us that there was the wrath of Hashem. When does it end? It ends with the arrival of Avram. Why is it here? Because this is the end of it. Why does Rashi reference Avram? Because that is how Rashi can describe where exactly the wrath ends and where the new era begins. It begins with Avram and the teaching of the knowledge of God in the world. And why is it necessary to tell it to us? Because of the fact that a person might think that there was no wrath because of the long life of the people of that generation. Now we're going to go into Sivav, which is which is a more a more esoteric, deeper understanding of this Rashi. Actually, extremely fascinating, and with it, that will explain why Rashi uses. First of all, that will explain why these people had a long life despite the, despite the fact that they did not earn it, and why Rashi uses the word Af Af even though he's really translating the word Bechoron, nevertheless, Rashi adds the word Af in, in this Rashi, and it's not just by chance, it's actually there to teach us a very, very specific teaching. Hagamas Befeidish in the Derech HaPshat is the Rashi Nitmevar HaTam, Vasti Asara Esim Deiris Amen even though, in a more explicit way, in the manner of Pshat, Rashi does not explain the reason why the 10 generations and actually the 20 generations from Odom Arishan till Avram Avinu had long lives. However, Rashi does hint it to us 
through the approach of Soid, the esoteric understanding of the Pasuk, as it's discussed many times, as in Pirishtashi, is far bahalkin, that in the teaching of Rashi, even though Rashi is teaching us Pshat, but in that Pshat is, is concealed the wine of Teda, the secrets of Teda, the esoteric parts of Teda. And let us begin with the following. The Gemara in Psachim tells us that the capital Tehillim, Kuf Lamed Vav, which we say every Shabbos, before Baruch Sha'amar, has 26 times where it says the words, says the Gemara in Psachim, that these 26 Kilo Elam Chazdeis represent the 26 generations from the creation of the world until the giving of the Torah. You have 10 generations from Adam till Nayach, you have 10 generations from Nayach till Avram, then you have Yitzchak, Yaakov, Levi, Kahas, Amram, Moshe, six generations, those 26 generations from the creation of the world until, until the uh, time that the Abishta gives the Torah. And the question is, is how did these 26 generations live? What, what gave them their nourishment if the Torah wasn't given, from when the Torah was given, the, Abister, the the world survives, the world is nourished by the merit of the Torah, existence of the Torah and the learning of Torah. But before the Torah was given, how did these generations live? It was through the kindness of Hashem that He gave them their nourishment. That's referring to the 26 generations of kindness that the Abishter gave to the world in order for the world to exist despite the fact that the Torah had not yet been given. That the 26 generations prior to Matantera were nourished through the kindness of Hashem. That's what the Gemara says in Psachim. Isis mevor and Chassidus. Chassidus explains as oddi deiris zenin gespeist gevaren durch der Madrege von Chassid shalamayla meishdalshlus that these generations were nourished through a level of divine benevolence that transcends hishdalshlus. Hishdalshlus is a logical process, not necessarily logical to us, but it's a process where there's a cause and effect. So intellect leads to emotion. Emotion leads to action. And these are just examples. And therefore, in Hishtalshalos, when a person does something, a good deed, this earns them a reward. When there's a misdeed, it earns them a reprimand. So in the level of Hishtalshalos, our actions impact the blessings and the flow that comes from above. But here, we're talking about this divine benevolence that transcends Hishtalshalos. It goes to the irrational, or the super-rational, rather. Oh, on that level, the actions of the, of, of the world below doesn't affect. If you're righteous, what does it add to God? And if you're not righteous, what does it take from Him? It's beyond a space where mitzvahs and averis can have an impact. And therefore, on that level, even those who transgress even they can, can receive their sustenance from that level. So that's step number one, that there, that there is a time period prior to Matan Torah, prior to the giving of the Torah, where 
the, the, the nourishment that came to the world came from a level that transcends Ishtalshalos and therefore it, didn't, it was not dependent on the actions of the recipients, but there was an indiscriminate flow of kindness even to those who didn't deserve it. In the next paragraph, the Rebbe is going to differentiate between the first 20 generations of, the, of these 26 and the, and, and, and the later six. Based on the fact that the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that the world is made up of six millennia, the first two millennia are called Tehu, chaos. It's an unorganized world. It's a world that is, that is being sustained without Tehu without a normal process. Then the next two millennia are Torah. This is during this time the Torah is given by Meshavina to the Yidin, all the way through the end of the Mishnah, the beginning of the Talmud. This is the bulk of when Torah is brought to the world. And then the final two millennia are called Yemais Mashiach, the days of Mashiach. Either it means that Mashiach could have come or should have come at the beginning of the year 5000, or... Uh, at the beginning of the, uh, of, the, of the year 4000, or that it is a preparation to the era of Mashiach. But the first two are called Toyu, the middle two are called Toida, and the last two are called Yemaisa Mashiach. So at the end of 20 generations, at the end of 2000 years, at is the beginning is the time of Avram Avinu. This is when Avram comes. There's 10 doyres from Neach from Adam to Neach. There's 20, 10 doyres from Neach to Avram. Avram is at the beginning of the year, uh, of, the, of the year 2000. And at that point is the beginning of Shnei Allah from Teira, the two millennia of Teira, and therefore there is a change in the world. Just like there's a general difference between the 26 generations prior to Matan Teira and the generations that came after Matan Teira. And similarly, within the 26 generations, there is a more specific differentiation. The Ershte Tzvansik Deiris, you have the first 20 generations, far the Shnei Alafim Teira before the two millennia of Teira begin. By the first 20 generations, this idea that they were being sustained by the divine benevolence that transcends Ishtalshalus is in a much stronger sense than in the last six generations. Because once Shnei Alafim Teira begins, the connection, the impact of Teira is already felt. We had this in the Sikha last year, around Parshas Neach Lech Lech, where it speaks about the Tkufas of, of Adam and Noach and Avram and Moshe, that even before the Torah was given, once the era of the two millennia of Torah begins, there is already an impact of Torah on the world. And therefore, the, the sustenance that is being given to the world still is, is connected somewhat to Torah. And therefore, it is more logical than the first two millennia in which it is totally disconnected from Torah and therefore it is entirely dependent on the indiscriminate giving of the level of divine benevolence that transcends Hishtalshos. So you have the, 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 the 20 generations, the first two millennia of creation, which the transgressors, the idolaters, those who are going against the will of Hashem are, are being nourished through this divine benevolence. And then you have uh, 
the, the, the next six generations, which are also dependent on chesed, but not on such a strong level. There is already some reason for them to receive their sustenance. Now that Rebbe says that this differentiation, the fact that something changed at the at, at, at the two thousand year point, this is what Rashi is emphasizing by adding the word af in the Rashi. One can ask, who needs the word af here? Here, Rashi is translating that Charon means Charon. The Charon means wrath. So therefore, it's important to say that there was Charon, there was anger. Why does Rashi have to, have to add the word Af in this Rashi? Here, this, is, this paragraph is an intro paragraph to the next Seif or two. With the word af, Rashi is symbolizing, or Rashi is rather hinting to this concept that until this point, the generations, the world was being nourished through this divine benevolence that transcends Ishtalshalus, because af represents this divine light that transcends Ishtalshalus. As will be explained. So at this point, you might be a little bit uh, 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 confused because he didn't really finish explaining this. But, but so let's understand the process. Number one, we understand that before the giving of the Torah, there was an indiscriminate giving of light that came from the level of chesed that transcends Ishtalshalus. But there was a difference. There was the first 20 generations, the first 2,000 years, and then there was the time that comes after that. And which keep in mind that this is when the Charein Af ends. The Charein Af ends when Avram comes onto the scene, which is exactly at the transition point between the Shnei Alofim Toyu and the Shnei Alofim Toyu, the first two millennia of chaos and the second two millennia of Toyu. So we're all, we're, this is the, 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 the juncture that we're talking about. And Rashi is alluding to this by saying the word af, as we will explain in Siv Zayin. In Siv Zayin, the Rebbe is going to talk about what is the, the etymology of the word charein. Where does the word charein being anger, where does it come from? So Rashi Shait in Parsis B'Shalach, there's a Rashi in Parsis B'Shalach, and the words of Ruach Apecha Nermumayim, with the with wind of your nostrils, of your nose. Uh, that's the, the which in, in, in the Az Yashir. So the Rashi over there explains this whole concept of what's the connection of a nose to anger. So Rashi explains that the word charon is migzeras. What is it? Migzeras. Can't find it. Migzeras. Charon is migzeras chara. The word charon is comes from the word chara, which chara means to burn. This concept of burning, you don't find just by the word, with the word nose. In other words, Rashi explains over there that when a person gets angry, their nostrils flare. So chara api or chara af means that the person is so, is so burned up with anger that their nostrils are flaring up. But Rashi the Rebbe is saying over here that we don't only find the term chara as it connects to Af. We also find the term Chara as it connects to the garden, to the throat. As it says in Tehillim, 
Nichar Groni, my throat was parched. Rashi over there says that Nichar means Yavesh, it was parched. And he brings a Pasuk from Eve, Chora Mini Chorev. It was burnt up that it parched. The house is trukin, the throat is dry, it's parched. In other words, when something is very hot, like a hot desert, it dries up uh, uh, everything that grows. So, Nichar Grani means parched, but it also comes from the word Chora. It also comes from the word heat. So, heat could flare up the nostrils, heat could parch the throat. So the word chara can, be, can affect the af, the nose. It can affect the goroin. It can affect the, the throat. Now here, it doesn't say chara. It says charoin. So in the next paragraph, the Rebbe is going to explain how the word charoin can also be associated either with the nose or with the throat. Also charon can connect with either the af or the goroin. On a more on a simplest, most level, we see Rashi here says charoin af. So we see that the word charon connects with the nose. Base, but another on another perspective, charon im The word charon, if you, the numerical equivalence of it, if you include the word into it as well, is two hundred and fifty nine, which is the same numerical equivalent, same value as the word garin two fifty nine. Un charon. Oisi is Nichar, and Choron and Nichar are the same letters, is Meram is for Nichar Graini, and therefore Choron, which is Begimatri Goron, there and the letters of Nichar could certainly symbolize the, the concept of the Nichar Graini. Their house is trucking, the throat is parched. And therefore the throat can't come through the, 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 the voice, can't come through the throat, as in, 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 in a healthy way. So we understand that Choron or Charoin could either go with Af or it can go with Goroin. And yet, as we see here, Ras uses the word Af, and the question is why. What's the difference between the Goroin and the Af? The nose and the throat. <laughs> it's just two parts of a person's body. How does it affect anything that we're talking about over here? So the Rebbe explains, Chassidus explains, The throat is a conduit between the heart, the, the mind and the heart. says the the flow that comes down from the, 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 the intellect and the mind, as it comes down into the, the emotions of the heart, has to go through the, uh, the, the throat. The, the, the brain is up here, the heart is up here, the throat is the conduit that connects the two. So anything that's going to traverse from the brain to the heart is going to need to go through the throat. Umbeist the garden is in a matzah for nichar greni. So if the throat is in, is is in a, in a part state, their lastest nitas the aspas asechos that are coming in left. It does not allow for the flow from the mind from from the, from the intellect to go properly into the heart into the emotions. Mashenkein af. On the other hand, the, the, the nose is hecher from garden is higher on the person's body than where the throat is. Un additionally, the inyan from af is hecher from chachma. The nose represents a level that's higher than intellect. Chachma is the beginning of Ishtalshalos. It's the beginning of the process of creation. It begins with intellect to emotion to application. But smell is higher than Ishtalshalos. This is explained in Chassidus, specifically when it talks about Mashiach. Mashiach, it says, Hashem. 
And the sages say, Moirach Vidoin, that Mashiach is going to be able to judge through smell. Generally, a person needs to hear all the details, has to process it uh, logically, and then can judge. Mashiach is going to have this power to judge through smell. So, so this explains that this is a very lofty level that you don't even have to uh, 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 rely on the on the human faculties of logic and process and emotion, but just by through smell, a person, a Mashiach in this case, is able to judge. So smell represents super logic, higher than logic. So the goring represents the, the process of, of logic into emotion. That's Hishtalshalus. Af, nose, represents beyond Hishtalshalus, higher than the, 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 this process. So now, we can now explain why Rashi uses the word Af. Rashi is not when 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 the Torah says Bacharon, it's not referring to a charon, to a charon and anger that connects to the groini, which is as we said would represent the level of Because since we're talking about the generations prior to the two millennia of Torah, which were nourished through the level of kindness that transcends Ishtal Shalus, the Milo Meachachma, which transcends Chachma, is So, therefore, what is happening with the throat is irrelevant because the throat is only affecting that which goes on below Chachma. The river is Rashi Madrius when Yicharin Av was Bavaist Afchines Ha'urch and Milo Ishtal Shalus. Therefore, Rashi says that the Yicharin Av took place. There was a Yicharin Av, which Av represents the light. The divine light that transcends Ishtashlus, this is what we're dealing with. And therefore Rashi says, as Otazah Seder, as every is on the Kabbals and the Ashbaf and the Mailam Ishtashlus, that this, this process, that those who transgress the will of Hashem could still receive their energy, their nourishment from a space that transcends Ishtashlus, is given boys ad Avram. Only took place till Avram. Because it was in the two millennia of chaos where there was an indiscriminate amount of light, and therefore the light can come down from this loftiest level and reach even the persons or the people or the world that doesn't deserve it. But when the two millennia of Torah began, is this stopped? The on the the flow from beyond the stopped. from al Then. The 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 uh, flow was more limited according to the parameters of Teda, as Allah that all the flow has to come in a more calculated method through the the intellect of Teda. So so even though Teda wasn't given yet, but nevertheless, once Shnei Allah from Teda, the two millennia of Teda began, the 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 amount was less. The 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 the, the amount of flow was less, and therefore it couldn't reach. Uh, just anybody, um, even though it still reached the world, but it was in a much more limited sense. So, what, what Rashi is telling us over here, the, Rebbe, the way the Rebbe is explaining this Rashi, is that when, the, when, when Rashi tells us until this point there was Harain Af, it's not just saying that there was the wrath of Hashem until this point. He was saying until this point, there was able to be a flow of nourishment, despite the fact that there was the wrath of Hashem. And after Avram, the wrath stops, and therefore the flow continues, but only because there was no more wrath. 
because at this point there cannot be any more a, a full-fledged flow of nourishment of energy if the wrath would be there because Shnei Allah from Tere began. This ex explains why Rashi uses the word Af because Af represents and until this point for the first 2,000 years of the world the world was living off of the Chesed the, 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 the benevolent the, the, the divine benevolence that transcends Ishtalshalus it also answers the question why they lived a long life because since the, the, the energy that's coming from this level is indiscriminate. It also gave them this, 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 uh, uh, um, this benefit of a long extended life. In Sif Ches, the Rebbe is now going to tie, tie this back to the letter Nun with, with a very, very beautiful concept that the ultimate goal is to draw down this transcendent light into, a, in, in, into the lowest most personal internal level. Because a person's going to ask, this seems to be counterintuitive. It seems like the higher the light, the higher the, the source, the, 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 the more powerful it is, the more it could reach, even to those who are undeserving of it. What's the point of Matan Torah, of giving the Torah and limiting the light? And the answer is going to be that when there is an indiscriminate light, it does reach, uh, 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 it does reach beneficiaries that are aligned with the forces of unholiness, and that's not good. Because as long as the forces of unholiness usurp this godly energy, this gives them the power to exist. And the goal is to, that there should be no power, no forces of impurity of, or, or, or of unholiness in the world. So the ultimate goal through the giving of the Torah is to draw down this godly light that is this transcendent light called in Chassidus or Makif, encompassing light to bring it down into this world in a in, in a panemius on an internal level and this and, and this is going to be alluded to in the letter nun light or langanon specifically this is the explanation and the deeper reason why this concept that till Avram there was wrath of the Abishter in the world is is alluded to us specifically by changing the langanon when the, the two millennia of Torah began, which begins with Avram Avinu, as we explained, is This is when this transcendent or encompassing light is drawn down into an internal level. And when it is drawn down into an internal level, it is then becomes tailor-made. If it's on the outside, then it's, then it's infinite. If it's being brought into the vessel, then it's then it becomes finite. It's tailor made to the specific vessel. So when it comes down into the panemius, it is tailor made for this specific recipient, and therefore the forces of evil or the forces of unholiness cannot usurp this energy for their own existence. As it is explained in Chassidus, that from the level of Makif, the transcendent or encompassing level that, that, that transcends Ishtalshalus, Klippas, the forces of, 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 of impurity, can, can draw energy. 
nor be'ez der erif of light. If only as long as this light remains in a transcendent state. When it's drawn down into an internal space, then this only this only could be effect, this only can be drawn into holiness. And this concept that you're taking this er makif, this, this transcendent light, and you're drawing it down into the, an internal space that is unique for the forces for, of holiness, this is alluded to, this is symbolized in the language which we find two extremely paradoxical points in, or elements in the language on the one hand the number 50 represents higher than because is made up of 7 midos. 7 times 7 is 49 like the counting of the Sefirah Soimer that's the Shtalshlus, 50 is going beyond the Shtalshlus, so the letter Nun represents beyond the Shtalshlus on the other hand, the shape of the nun, which has a long leg that goes lower than the actual line that it's written on, this shows on, the, on this energy being drawn down into the below. This means that the idea of the langer nun is to to draw down the light that is above and beyond into the lowest of the low. Because that Ends the, uh, the 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 flow of energy to the forces of unholiness. And then it reaches only holiness. As the Alter Rebbe explains, and the language of the word in him and God. To, to God you should cleave, as a tachlis ili from the Baisid Bakun, the ultimate greatness of cleaving to Hashem, therefore Mamshik and the Matamata has to be drawn down into the below, into this world. That even his action, which action is the lowest expression of the human being, even the action should be uh, sanctified or consecrated to Hashem, then the Altar Rebbe says, there is no uh, uh, um, flow of energy to the forces of evil or the external forces. So that so that's the Langenon. The Langenon represents the fact that the Ur Makif is coming down, and that was the Uftu of Matan Teuder. The Matan Teuder made it possible for this transcendent light to come down into this world and become uh, uh, connected with this world in a way that the forces of holiness are sustained and the forces of evil are not. And now the, these two millennia of Teuder drawing down this godly light into this world. Yemei Samashiach are a preparation and a preface to the two millennia of Yemei Samashiach. Which at that point, all of the uh, transcendent uh, uh, lights will be drawn down into an internal uh, into an internal level. And then that could bring to a time when the, the spirit of impurity will be removed from this world because they'll have nothing to live off of. There'll be no energy to usurp because everything has been already drawn down and, 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 and given specifically it to the forces of holiness. May this happen with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.